Welcome to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast, featuring sermons given at our church and community center located in the Lincoln Estates neighborhood in Gainesville, Florida. If you find these messages beneficial, if you're part of our community, or if you want to help support the services we're providing to Southeast Gainesville, you can text the word GIVE to 352-562-7771 to make tax-deductible donations. Here's this week's message. I'm Mike Rayburn. I'm the lead pastor here at Gainesville Vineyard. Thanks again for tuning in to our live stream. Um, I've got a few announcements to make, and then I'll get into the teaching for today. First announcement is go ahead and grab some communion elements. We're going to take communion at the end of the broadcast, and you're going to need something to eat. It can be bread or not. I have a grape. It's a little on the nose for Vineyard, but that's what I have today. Uh, it's also gluten-free, so that works for me. And something to drink. I have got my tea that I love to drink in the morning. So grab something to eat and something to drink and have that handy. And we'll take communion together um, at the end of the teaching. And we'll consecrate that together. And it'll be the body and blood of Jesus for each of us right where we are because we're doing this together. And even if you're watching this after the fact, you can do that too. It's fine. If, according to our ecclesiology. So thanks for doing that, and I hope that you will do that. The second announcement is um, uh, the lead team has decided that we will gonna, we're going to continue live streaming our services through the month of July. We will not have in-person worship services in the month of July. Um, it looks like the numbers here in Florida are, are going up. Even here in Alachua County, they seem to be going up. So I would encourage everyone to stay safe, stay home as much as possible, wear masks. If you have to go out in public, keep using your hand sanitizer, keep washing your hands. No one talks about washing your hands anymore, but it's probably still a really good idea to wash your hands a lot and use hand sanitizer and stay home as much as possible and practice social distancing and all of that. I know there are a lot of mixed messages that have gone out and a lot of confusion, but wearing masks definitely helps you be safe, and you help keep everyone else safe. So do that. Next announcement, our anti-racism workshop got off to a really good start last week. Thanks to everyone who signed up and participated in that. I really appreciate it. If you haven't signed up yet, this is your last chance to do so. And if you do that, you're going to have to do a couple of extra things. Well, not extra things. You're going to have to do them in a more compressed time frame. You can send me an email and sign up and go back and watch the Zoom video from our first meeting that's listed on our separate private Facebook group and read their eyes for watching God um, and catch up to speed in that way. Um, the second meeting is not today because it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, the second meeting will be next Sunday afternoon. We're going to be reading this book, White Fragility by Robin DiAngelo. If you don't already have a physical copy of it, you'll need to buy the ebook. Uh, if you have trouble with that, let me know and I'll help get you connected with one somehow. Uh, I think you can borrow them from the library or the audiobook. You can listen to the audiobook. This is an important book uh, for you to read. Now, you may not agree with everything that's said. We're going to have a lot of discussion about it, but this is a really good conversation starter. And we're going to be discussing this not this afternoon, but next Sunday afternoon, uh, 5 to 7 p.m. at the Anti-Racism Workshop. So I hope you will uh, attend that. If you can't attend, you can watch the video afterwards, but I really want as much participation in this as possible. So thanks for doing that. I appreciate everyone's heart uh, as we move forward in the ministry that God has called us to in Lincoln Estates. So that's good. Last announcement, uh, giving. Thanks so much to everyone for your faithfulness in giving. There are three ways 
You can contribute to our church financially. You can text the word give to the number on the screen. You can go to our website and click on the give button in the upper right hand corner. Or you can mail a physical check to the PO box that is now on the screen and send in your giving that way. We appreciate everyone for their faithfulness. I know things are difficult right now. Uh, and there's so many things that we don't know how they're going to go. And economics is definitely one of them. So if you're not able to give, we completely understand. But we really appreciate everyone who is able to give, continuing to be faithful uh, to us. We still have a lot of work going on. And we're still making lots of plans for the future for when we get past all of these things. So thank you for that. So I want to move into our teaching time today. We're in John chapter 4 in this uh, conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well. We talked a bit about it uh, last week and the week before. And like I said, uh, we're going to be here for a while. And today I want to focus on the first response uh, that the woman gives to Jesus. And, you know, we don't know her name. Her name isn't given in the text. And I don't want to be spending the next several weeks talking about the woman or the Samaritan woman. So I'm going to give her a name. We're going to call her Sam because it's short for Samaritan. So I hope that's okay. So Sam and Jesus are having this conversation uh, by the well. We talked last week about how Jesus has broken uh, racial, cultural convention and struck up a conversation with Sam. Jesus had asked Sam for a drink. And she said, you know, wait a minute, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. Why are we having this conversation? Y'all don't usually talk to us. And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you and the gift of God that I have to give to you, I would have given you living water. So Sam says in verse 11, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our forefather Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will become in them a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Sam said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. We'll never have to come back to this well again. So Jesus has broken down the racial and cultural convention and struck up this conversation with Sam. Um, And she responds, and it's interesting, her first response is to bring up Jacob. So she immediately in her mind jumps to, well, okay, well, yeah, we are connected. We have the same ancestor. She says, our forefather Jacob. And I think she may be doing one or two or, or, or both things here. One, she might be latching on to this idea, well, Jesus has, has, you know, crossed the barrier to have this conversation with me. And yet, well, yeah, we do have a shared ancestry. We do have the same forefather, our ancestor Jacob, she says. So that might be what she's doing. Or she might still be saying, you know, in a more defined way, yeah, we have a shared ancestor. We have a shared heritage, our forefather Jacob. So she might be siding with Jesus here and that it's okay for us to have this conversation. Or she also might be, you know, staking her claim to be legitimate as well. Or both might be going on. But she says, our forefather Jacob, he's the one that dug this well. Are you greater than him? He drank from this well. His sons drank from this well. His livestock drank from this well. And he's passed it down to us. See, she responds acknowledging, even insisting on this deeper connection to this random Jewish man who has struck up this conversation with her. And more than that, she shows that she knows her history. She knows the history of her place. She remembered that Jacob had dug this well. 
She knew that she was connected to this place. She was connected to this ancestry. And what it was that connected her to this guy who's speaking to her. She shows more understanding, more engagement, and more responsiveness to Jesus, this random person she has just met, than Nicodemus did. So let's take a minute and compare how Sam responds to Jesus and how, let's call him Nick, since we're using um, nicknames. Nick responds to Jesus. So back in chapter 3, uh, Nick comes to see Jesus. And here in chapter 4, Sam has a conversation with Jesus. So let's compare them. Nick is a Pharisee. He is not just a Jew. He is like a top shelf Jew. He is a Jew of Jews. Like the, the Pharisees were the most serious about their Jewishness in terms of faith, in terms of culture, in terms of heritage of anyone. They took it very seriously. Sam is a Samaritan. She is as far from a Pharisee as you can get. And the Pharisees would not recognize her at all. Uh, if a Pharisee knew this was happening, they would be deeply offended. Uh, moreover, he's a leader. He's, he's, a, he's a leader among the people. He's a lawyer. He's a teacher. Jesus calls him a teacher. Uh, whereas Sam is just a peasant. She's just a, a woman going to draw water. She doesn't have servants to go draw water for her. She has to do it herself. She's just a lowly person. Uh, next difference is Nicodemus seek, seeks Jesus out. Nick goes to see Jesus, it says. He goes on purpose to meet with him and talk to him. Whereas Sam's just going about her day and minding her own business, and this random dude strikes up a conversation with her. Uh, Nick goes at night to see Jesus in secret. Sam is having this conversation with him out at literally at noon, it says, in the middle of the day, out in the open, and then she's going to draw other people into it. Spoiler, uh, she's going to draw the entire town into this conversation that she's having. And then Nick starts off by acknowledging in chapter 3 that Jesus is a teacher, uh, Jesus is a miracle worker, and Jesus comes from God. Nick says all of those things in chapter 3. So he begins his conversation with Jesus by acknowledging all these things, Whereas Sam, she has no idea who this dude is. He's literally some random person asking her for water. That's all she knows. And yet she's more responsive to him than, than Nick, who has sought him out and, and regards him as a person uh, of high regard. Uh, one thing they have in common is Nick didn't get it. Like he's having this conversation with Jesus and he does not understand what's going on. He doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. Sam, likewise, is having this conversation with Jesus and she doesn't get it. She doesn't understand what Jesus is saying either. So they have that part in common. But then the responses are radically different. Nick asks two short, really dismissive questions like, how can that be? How can that happen? And that's it. That's all he says. They're really short. Like, there's no way that can happen. How can that be? That's really all that Nick says to Jesus. And then, as, a, as I mentioned way back when we taught that, as you get into the end of chapter 3, Nicodemus just disappears. He, he never has a response. Now, we'll see later on. He helps bury Jesus. So I guess these things worked on him for a while. But in the moment, he has no positive response. He just fades from the story and isn't heard from again there. It's very different here in chapter 4. Sam engages Jesus in conversation. She answers back. She has her own thoughts. She has her own ideas. She brings those to the table. She asks Jesus what he thinks about those. And we'll get more to those in the coming weeks. Um, she listens to what he has to say. And she responds. And specifically what I want to talk about today 
is she asks for the water. Nick doesn't ask Jesus for anything. He comes to see Jesus. He wants like an explanation, I guess. He wants Jesus to justify what he's doing and what he's about. He's coming to test and and vet Jesus, if, if you want to put it that way. Sam's not doing that at all. But when we get to the end of the story, Nick just disappears, and Sam specifically asks Jesus for water. And that's what I want to focus on today, because that's a huge deal. And that's a deep-seated part of our value as vineyard folk. So Nick gives no positive response to Jesus at all in this story that we have recorded here, whereas Sam's story is a very positive response for herself and then for her whole town, as we will see when we get there. So when I say Sam doesn't understand, uh, she only partially understands, right? Uh, Rudolph Bultmann, one of the commentators that I really enjoy reading on the Gospel of John, he says that what Sam does understand is that Jesus is talking about something miraculous. So whereas Nick acknowledges that Jesus is a miracle worker, um, it's weird because he starts off by saying, "You're, you know, we know you're a miracle worker and your miracles come from God. And then when Jesus starts talking about things that might be miraculous, Nick's like, well, how can that be? That's not possible. And you feel like Jesus should be saying, well, you just said I work miracles. Why are you asking me how this can happen? We're already talking about the miraculous. Whereas Sam, who's, again, having a conversation with a random dude, um, immediately knows, okay, something's going on here. This is a miraculous thing. He's talking about magic water. He's talking about a miraculous thing. So she does understand that. She catches on to that pretty quickly. Um, what she misunderstands, Bultmann says, and I think this is important, and I want you to pay close attention here if you're kind of half paying attention or, or, or scrolling your phone while you watch on TV or something. Catch this. Here's what Bultmann says. What Sam misunderstands is that the point of this miracle is to make her natural life easier. Bultmann says this. She can only see the miracle as a welcome means of making natural life easier which is, of course, a usual misunderstanding of revelation. I think that's really powerful and really important, and I want you to mark that in your brain or on a piece of paper or in the margin of your Bible or somewhere, because Bultmann's exactly right. Thinking that miracles are to make natural life easier is a usual misunderstanding that Christians have had. I grew up Pentecostal. I can testify to this. If you've been in the vineyard for long, you know this to be true as well. We tend to think about answers to prayer. We tend to think about miraculous things as making our practical everyday life easier. And sometimes they do. I'm not saying they don't ever. Sometimes they do. But that's never the point. That's never the higher point or the deeper point. There's always more going on. And we have to understand that, that our natural life is what our natural life is. And we ask for what we need, and that's what I want to focus on today. But it's never just about the practical needs of the moment. Life is hard. I don't know that I need to preach that in the year 2020. You already know that. And it's going to be hard. It's going to have its trials and its tribulations. Um, and the faithfulness of God is not just about making our everyday life easier. That's a misunderstanding of what Jesus is up to. That's a misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's important that we mark that because if we don't understand that, 
if we persist in this usual misunderstanding that this is all about making our lives easier, then when our lives get hard, it makes it harder to stay faithful. We ask for what we need, and we receive the answers that Jesus gives. And sometimes our lives are made practically easier for a moment. Sometimes we get a temporary healing of an ailment. Um, But sometimes we don't. And even when we do, that's not the point. So put a pin in that, because the point of the kingdom of God is not about having a health and wealth life here and now. The prosperity gospel is heresy. And we don't teach that and we don't believe that. Okay? So make sure that you understand that's not what I'm saying. That's not what this is about. We don't do name it and claim it. None of that. And I think it's important that when we talk about asking for what we need, that we name that and put it on the table, that that's not what this is about. And then we turn to another commentator, Leslie Newbegin, one of my favorite theologians. He agrees with Bultmann, but he sees more in her positive response than Bultmann does. Here's what Newbegin says. Uh, Sam can only think, he doesn't call her Sam, I'm calling her Sam. The woman can only think of a permanent satisfaction for the recurring thirst of the body. That indeed would be a wonderful gift of God, and she boldly asks for it. Despite the crudeness of her perception, she is willing, unlike Nicodemus, to trust the stranger and to make her petition with confidence. This is faith. Not yet a mature faith, but nevertheless the faith which can become the beginning of understanding. The act of turning in trust to Jesus, however far short it may fall of full understanding, is the indispensable starting point for understanding. And so this dialogue will lead to a conclusion far different from the conversation with Nicodemus. It will lead on to the confession of Jesus as Savior of the world. I really like that. I really appreciate that. I want to push back a little bit on what Newbegin says. You see, following Jesus leads to a quenching of spiritual thirst and also a physical thirst, of meeting emotional needs and practical needs. It's often the case that when we ask for what we need immediately, like what our pressing practical needs are, that spiritual growth comes along uh, because it's all connected. In fact, you could say that the thirst is quenched because um, her spiritual thirst is quenched in Jesus and she becomes part of a community where people will make sure that she doesn't go thirsty again because that's what followers of Jesus do. I'll say more next week. We'll talk about living water and the double entendre that Jesus is using here. But remember, this all started when Jesus was thirsty, like physically thirsty after his long walk. And he asked Sam for a drink. That's what started this whole thing. So the thirst that Jesus has or had, I don't know if she has given him a drink. We're never told if she actually gave him a drink of water or not. Um, But the physical thirst that Jesus has and the spiritual thirst that Sam has are they're connected. It's not just a euphemism. It's not just a double entendre. They're connected. They go together. And our physical needs and our emotional needs and our social needs and our spiritual needs are all connected. And so we ask for what we need. And then Jesus answers us and gives us sometimes not exactly what we thought it was. Sometimes we don't understand exactly. Often we don't understand exactly what it is we're asking for. Uh, Often we're like Sam. We're not clear on what's going on here. But we get what we need when we ask. And so that's our big value. And that's really the only point I want to make today. And this is a core value for us, um, is that we ask for what we need. And 
we expect that Jesus hears us and gives us some kind of answer. It might not always make our lives easier. It might not be exactly what we asked for. Sometimes the answer might be no. Um, uh, or sometimes the answer might be, I know you asked for this, but what you really need is that. And there's a, there's a, there's a switch there. Um, but the core value is we ride with Sam. We ask. We don't ride with Nick, who, who doesn't ask. And, and calls Jesus a miracle worker, but thinks Jesus can't do anything, we ride with Sam like, all right, give it to me. I mean, Jesus offers her the water. It's a very natural response for her to say, well, okay, yeah, that I'd like some of that that you're talking about. Can I have some of that, please? That's who we are. We're people who ask. More than anything else, I think we're people who ask. We ask for what we need. And then we see what happens. And that's the value for today, is we ask for what we need. And you know what? There are a lot of things we need right now. So let's just go through a few of them, shall we? Um, one thing we need is we need a mighty move of God. A mighty move of God like we had during the Civil Rights Movement. We need another movement like that. It looks like the beginnings of that now sweeping across our country. And I hope that's what it is. And I think more than hoping or crossing our fingers, we need to pray that that's what it is. That things become better in this country for people of color, for immigrants. I was so uh, encouraged by the Supreme Court ruling this week that, that DACA gets to remain at place at least for a while longer. Uh, we should pray that a path forward for those folks becomes uh, clear and easier and more just. We should pray that people who are oppressed through the injustice of our systems of law and economics uh, find relief. We should pray for justice. We should pray for real and lasting improvement uh, to the practical lives and the political lives and the economic and social lives of, of us and our neighbors and everyone in our society. We should pray for real equality where everyone is equal. Men and women, people of color, immigrants, where everyone is treated the same. We should pray for real freedom. Real freedom for all people. We should pray for unity. Real unity between all people. Now, I know those sound like miracles that maybe Jesus couldn't even do. Those sound like miracles like water that you drink and you're never thirsty again. But those are the things we ask for. Those are the things that we should pray for and ask for. And those are the things I'm praying for. And I encourage you to pray for them as well. Uh, I think we should also pray for, for white people to understand, like Sam did and like Nick did not, um, the history of our peoples and the history of our places and how we fit into that. I think it's a beautiful thing that she brings up Jacob. Do we know our history? Do we know the history of our peoples? Do we know the history that connects us to each other? I'm afraid sometimes we don't. And it's hard for us to understand how we can become part of the answer to the first thing I said we should pray for if we don't understand the history and how it all fits together, which is why we're doing the workshop that we're doing. And more than just doing it, we should be doing it prayerfully. We should be asking God to open our eyes to understand the history of our place, the history of our nation, the history of our town, the history of our families. Uh, I think we should also be praying for healing and relief from coronavirus. I mean, we are dealing with a plague of biblical proportions. Um, and 
people are acting just like people in the Bible did when they would ignore warnings uh, by prophets and messengers and just do um, what they're going to do anyway. Uh, the Hebrew Bible calls people like that stiff-necked. And I think that's a really good uh, description for folks like that. We need to pray that the Spirit will massage and unstiffen some necks um, so that people can wear their masks and participate in, in the health of the community. That would be really good. Uh, we should pray for healing. A lot of people are suffering, like literally physically. Hospital beds are full in many areas of the country with folks who are still suffering. We should pray and ask for recovery, for relief, for protection. Those are things to ask for. Those are things we ask for. Um, I think we should also pray, and this is a bit different, but related to all the other things I've mentioned so far. We need to pray um, for healing for our nation, from, from specifically the scary trend we have now of vilifying each other. Um, this phrase, enemy of the people, needs to go away. Liberals are not enemies of the people. Conservatives are not enemies of the people. The press is not the enemy of the people. I mean, Jesus tells us to love our enemies anyway. But we can't go around treating people who disagree with us, like have legitimate political like policy differences of opinion, to, to regard them as enemies, to regard them as, as destructive to society. That's not the case. People who talk like that should stop talking like that. People who think like that should stop thinking like that. And more than any of those, I would call us to pray that hearts change so people don't think like that anymore and people don't talk like that anymore. We have to work together. And no political view has all the right answers to anything. It takes cooperation and compromise. But we're in a situation where compromise seems almost impossible because how do you compromise with someone who you've already said is out to destroy everything. I think we need to pray. Because if, if this continues on, it, it leads to a really scary place. This is a matter for earnest prayer. And then we have all of our personal practical needs to pray for. Um, it's like Sam, we should ask for what we need. I mean, Jesus offered her the water. Asking for it was the right response. Jesus has offered us things too. Uh, he's offered us his peace. He's offered us his presence. He's offered us his empowerment. He's offered us his spirit. He, he's offered to make us one. He's offered us to make us community with each other. We should ask for those things. Just like Sam said, yeah, I'll have some of that. We should say the same thing. I read right here. You said, I'll give you my peace. Hey, Jesus, I'll have some of that. Can I have some peace? So I encourage you uh, today and this week to be like Sam. Ask for what you need. Ask for what we need. Ask. That's who we are more than anything else. We'll talk about living water next week. We'll talk about the answers and the, and the, and the way things shift after that. But today, I just want you to sit with the fact that this beautiful woman from Sychar, who's going about her daily business, minding her own business, gives such a beautiful response to Jesus. She engages in conversation. She understands her history. And she asks for what Jesus offers. May we have the courage and the purity of heart to do that as well. So I hope you have your communion elements, and we're going to take those together right now.
I've got my grape, which as a vineyard pasture seems a little on the nose, but there we are. So as we take the body of Christ, and as you take up whatever it is you're eating, and we take it up together, this becomes the body of Christ. We believe that. It's a miracle just like the living water. This is the body of Christ for us today. And what I want us to say as we bless that is we are people who ask. We ask. That's what I have to say. We ask. So say we ask and take the body. We ask. When we take our drink and we consecrate it together, as priests we all are, this becomes the blood of Jesus. And what we learn in this story, and what we learn throughout the Gospels and the Bible, is we ask and Jesus answers. So as you take the cup, as you take the body of Jesus, I want you to lift it up and say, Jesus answers and drink the body. I mean, and drink the blood. Jesus answers. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the example we have in this wonderful woman at the well. Thank you for the freedom we have to ask for what we need. Thank you that you are approachable. Thank you that you approach us. And you approach us in weakness and vulnerability. And you invite us to ask for the things that we need. And Jesus, we need so much. We do need your peace. These are troubled times. I can't remember a time when so many things were so stressful all at the same time. Fill us with your peace, your miraculous peace. Fill our lives with your presence. May we be aware of you in all sorts of moments, in all sorts of ways. I pray especially today that that dads who are spending time with their kids would sense your presence in those moments with their precious ones. I pray those who are suffering today because they've lost a dad or they never knew a dad or it would have been better if they hadn't known their dad. I pray that you would be close to those folks with your presence as well. These special days are beautiful for some and hard for others. Be with us and be close to us as we need by your goodness and your grace. Would give us your empowerment. Fill us with your spirit to be your followers and to do the work that you have called us to do. And we pray for our, our, our nation, our people. So many are suffering from COVID-19. We pray you would spare lives. We pray you would intervene in hospitals uh, here in Alachua County and across the state and across the country and across the world. Lord, mitigate the effects of this. I pray that you would soften attitudes and hearts. That people would stop regarding wearing a mask as some show of weakness or, or some sort of political divide. pray that we could listen to those who are just trying to keep us safe. 
And I pray for everyone who's suffering economically because of all of this disruption. That you would provide for practical needs. And I do pray for the political divide that has just infected our country. This vilification of one side by the other. And all of the social media posts that are just pouring lighter fluid on that fire all the time. I don't even know what to ask for other than for your grace, for your mercy. That hearts would turn towards each other. That people would find a way to seek the good, the common good. And we pray for this movement that is starting up locally and across the country to try once again to deal with the effects of racial oppression in our society. Lord, move history forward. Bend the arc towards justice even more. We thank you for the work you've done. We thank you for what you did in the past. Lord, we ask you to move again. We ask you to move through us. I pray for our little workshop that you would bless that, that we could come to a deeper personal understanding of our history and the history of our place and how we fit into this story and how we can contribute to justice how we can contribute to the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in real, in practical, in lasting ways. I thank you that we are able to ask you for what we need and trust you to respond with all of the goodness and the grace and the love that you do. Thank you, Jesus, for these people. Thank you, Jesus, for our lives. Amen. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I love each and every one of you, and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after-school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit gainesvillevineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.